Amen, amen. We are finishing our series on vision, uh, going through our vision statement, reach up, rise up, reach out. And uh, we are finishing that up. We've we got to stay on task. You know, we got to stay doing what we're supposed to do. And we are supposed to connect with God. Amen? If we don't connect with God, who's going to connect with God? We are to grow in our faith. And we are to make a difference. So reach up, rise up, reach out. That is our vision statement. All right. I don't think people need to be told about Jesus. What? I don't think people need to be told about Jesus. I think people need to be shown. I think we need to demonstrate the gospel. It's one thing to just say a bunch of stuff and do something different than it is to show that what you're talking about is on the inside of you and you're bringing it out and sharing it with your world. I do not believe people need to be told about Jesus. They've been told and they've been shown hypocrisy. They need to be shown the truth. And then they'll be able to know. They'll be able to see. They'll be able to realize there is new life in Christ because they'll be staring at somebody who's received new life in Christ. They'll know there's forgiveness in Christ because they'll be staring at somebody who's been forgiven and set free from shame and living a whole new life. When they see that, they'll know. They need to see people coming together and loving each other like the Scriptures say we're supposed to. Talking about that doesn't do any good. You have to do it. You have to live it out. You've got to, we've got to love each other. I don't think people need to be told about Jesus. They need to be shown. And that is going to require something of us. See, telling them is easy. Because I don't have to do anything. I don't have to have the light of Christ in my heart to tell people about Jesus. But if I'm going to show them, I've got to have something in here. Jesus was talking to Nicodemus in John chapter 3. And he was telling him a whole bunch of stuff that Nicodemus didn't quite understand. And so let's take a look at just a snippet of this. John 3, starting in verse 5. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. So what Jesus is saying to Nicodemus is, I can see that you've been born in the flesh because there you are. But has your spirit been born? Have you been born again? Is there that thing from God in you or not? You're a fancy religious teacher. Good for you, Nicodemus. You've snuck out here at night to talk to me. That's good too. But it's not enough to talk. You've got to have the thing from God in you. Flesh gives birth to flesh. Okay, We've got that part covered. But we need to have the Spirit give birth to Spirit within us if we're going to show people the power of God. We have to have His love in here. We have to have His power in here. We have to have the thing from God in here. And you get that by asking Him. It's not really that complicated. You don't even have to do it right. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I don't know if I prayed right when I asked God into my heart. Well, don't. He's real smart. He figures it out. He'll translate it into your language. Just ask. Say, Lord, I want to walk with you. Come help me help me through this thing. And He'll do it. And you'll have that thing in there. Then you need to grow it up. You need to grow in that. Get stronger and stronger. So that's reach up. Rise up. 
oh wait, I better not skip this. And coffee stain in my notes, it's going to be a different sermon. All right. You can't show people what you don't have. We've got to have it. We've got to be the ones that really get it, that seek after the Lord, that are willing to make that connection. Because it's easier just to intellectualize your faith and behavioralize your faith. And I'm thinking the right thoughts and I'm doing the right things. But we have to open ourselves up spiritually to the living God so that we have that, that thing, that thing born of the Spirit within us. God is real. You're in that in church. Guess what? God is real. There is no scientific reason to believe that God does not exist. You know, there's only about 20 to 25% of the matter in existence necessary to hold the universe together. It should all just fly apart. But so they've invented this concept called dark matter, which is the matter that doesn't exist that provides the gravity that holds everything together. And there's more of that than there is the stuff that's real. I, I think I know what that stuff is. <laughs> that's the spirit world right there. The smartest people on the planet, the theoretical physicists, are fairly convinced that this is at least 10, maybe an 11-dimensional reality that we live in. That there's a whole bunch of stuff between me and Leah that we can't see. They even say there could be conscious beings that are interacting and doing things between me and Leo that we could never see because we only live in four dimensions. And there's probably ten or eleven. Well, where are the angels at anyway? Where are the demons at anyway? Where is God at anyway? There's lots of room within science to believe in the things of God. God is real. God is absolutely real. And He loves you. Isn't that something? All this stuff we're just starting to be able to see with our technology. The being that created all of that. He knows your name. He knows what you're going through. He cares about you. He loves you. Just love Him back. Just love Him back. That's the foundation that we stand on. That's our solid rock. The love of God for us. There is no substitute for that. So we reach up and we connect with the Creator of the universe who loves us and cares for us. Then, we need to become who God created us to be. We need to rise up. We need to be who God made us to be. Did you know you can miss being who God created you to be? Have you ever felt in your life that you're just off track? You're just you're going over here. This isn't who I really am, but here I am in it. That's because that's not who you really are. You were created for something else. You were meant to be someone different. You can miss it. You can miss the thing God created you to be. I don't want that. Let's look at Ephesians 4. And we see... 
two different pictures. Ephesians 4, 14 through 16. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into Him who is the head, that is, Christ. From Him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So we see two different pictures. We see the, the wind blowing somebody around and they don't know where they're going or where they're coming from. They're just chasing the next thing. And then there is the person who's growing in Christ, growing up into Him who is the head, becoming who they were created to be. We have to work that out. It doesn't just magically happen. We've got to fight to become that person because there's a whole world of sin. There's a whole bunch of misunderstandings we can have. There's all kinds of things that battle against us for us to be able to get there. We've got to power through it. But what a blessing to be who God created you to be in the fullest sense that you can get to. Let's get there. Amen? So we want to rise up. Today we're going to talk about reaching out. Reaching out. So let's pray a little bit more. Let's believe for some good things today. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your holy scriptures. I thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you, Father, that you don't just leave us here to wander around and just kind of do the best we can, but you guide us by your spirit and you guide us by your word. Help us to see what you've got for us. Help us to be able to reach out with your truth. Bless our time. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. So you connect with God. Now you're becoming who you're supposed to be. Now what? Did you know you're supposed to make a difference? You know, God has called you to make a difference. God is real. You are real. And God's plan for your life is real. God's real. He made you, and He made you with something in mind. I'm Pastor Mike. God made me with something in mind for me to do, for a person for me to be. I'm trying to be that person as best I can. Completely there, absolutely not. Working at it. Trying to get better. Hoping for more. Believe in God for more. The creator of the universe created you with a plan in mind. There's something He wants you to do. There's a difference He wants you to make. Your purpose in Christ is real. The Apostle Paul in the Scriptures often refers to this as a race. We run our race. And that's the analogy. I don't know if he was a sports fan. It kind of seems like it because he brings this up quite a bit. He talks about running the race. And so we're going to talk about running our race this morning. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. We're going to work through some verses in chapter 9 of 1 Corinthians, starting in verse 24. 1 Corinthians 9.24 says this, 
Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. The Bible says, follow God in such a way that you will be the champion, that you will win, that you will get the prize, that you will come out on top. Run in such a way as to get the prize. Is that the typical Christian experience? Not scaring you guys, am I? No? Feeling good? You were so noisy before, now you're like all quiet. I have to tell a joke or something, loosen you up. It's too heavy, too heavy. Dude's getting too heavy. It seems to me that we get a lot of Christians who are trying to figure out how bad at this can I be and still get into heaven? How bad at this can I be? Because I want to be as bad as I possibly can and still go to heaven. I want to mess up my relationships. I want to mess up my finances. I want to mess up my relationship with God, but not so much that I go to hell. I want to still go to heaven, but I want to be as bad at being a Christian as I possibly can. Have you met people like that? So yeah, I've got this friend. Yeah, okay. Run in such a way as to get the prize. Not to be in the middle of the pack, but to come out in front. That's what the Scripture says. Run in such a way as to get the prize. Oh, if every believer did that ran in such a way as to get the prize. If every human being on this planet who will say, yeah, I, I guess I'm a Christian, sure. If everyone who's willing to say that would run the race in such a way as to get the prize, what would this world be like? Oh man, oh man. Let's live out 1 Corinthians 9.24. Amen? Let's show people this. Let's show them run in such a way as to get the prize. That's beautiful. Next verse, verse 25. Do you win the prize just, you just sort of win it? Like, you know, yeah, well, we, I was on this football team in high school and we didn't really practice. And, but it turns out we won the state championship. You know, it just sort of, I don't know really how it happened. We didn't have any plays. There's only six guys on the team, but we won. We're state champions. Does that happen? Ever. Never. It's impossible. If we're going to run in such a way as to, we, as to get the prize, it's not just going to magically happen as we don't even try. What does the next verse say? Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Paul is saying, look, strict training is good. Other places he said, physical training is good. It's fine. It's good. But there's something better. There's something higher. You don't have to set aside strict training physically. I mean, if you're, a, if you're a runner, keep running. That's great. Awesome. But he's saying, if people work that hard to win a state championship, what about the kingdom of God and eternal life? Is that worth fighting for? Is that worth going into strict training for? Is that worth trying to win the prize? Go into strict training. But 
Does anybody feel like there's a bait and switch going on? Strict training. I thought Jesus loved and accepted me just the way I am. What's the deal? I've got to change now? I've got to start working hard and doing running a race? What's he, what's he talking about? Sneaking up on me like tithing. This is craziness. What's going on? I thought it was a free gift. I gotta pay 10% of my income for the rest of my life. Free gift. Give me, give me. You ever feel like you get caught in like a bait and switch thing? Hey, Jesus just loves me as I am. Now I get this strict training verse. What? Let me give you two really important reasons why strict training is important. Significant. Reason number one is because you are not racing against fellow believers. Your race is not run. Your, your battle, your fight, is not with other believers. The battle you're going to fight, you're going to want to be in shape for. You're going to want to be ready. Because you have an enemy. And he doesn't play fair. Have you noticed that? We have an enemy that doesn't play fair. As the Scripture described him leaving Jesus for a more opportune time. As Satan tempted Jesus and tried to get him in this way and that way and another way. And he's like, okay, well today isn't going to work, but I'm going to wait till you're weak. And I'll be back. I'll be watching. And that's what we see in 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. It says, be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring, roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Does the devil prowl around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour? He does. What's the remedy for being safe? Strict training. We need to get good at this. Or we're just in trouble. Have you ever watched nature shows and you got like the lion that's going to get the gazelle or something? Where's the safest place to be? Well, on, the, on the inside of the herd, right? You won't be in the inside. Straggling off in the, on the edges in the distance. That's where the lion is going to be. You want to come in. Have you heard people say basically along the lines of, well, if I fully give my life to God, then the devil's going to get me because I'll, I'll have woke up the sleeping giant. Right now, he's not really bothering me because I'm not really doing anything for the Lord. But if I was to do something for the Lord, then the attacks would really come. Have you heard that? Let me tell you. The attacks will come, but you'll be well equipped to resist the devil, and then he will flee. You'll have a shield of faith. Without it, you just get hit with the arrows, and it's easy for him. The place you want to be is a place of strength where you can hold up your shield of faith, where you can resist the enemy and have him flee because he has to. When you know that, then you can stand in the center of God's will and power and you don't have to be afraid. It's a wonderful thing. We want to go into strict training because we have an adversary. We're not running against each other. We're not competing with one another. We're on the same team. Even with the Lutherans. They're coming over to clean the chairs in half an hour. Isn't that cool? They're like, they're like, hey man, we're on the same team. Let's work together here. Praise God. Another reason to go into strict training, please get this one. Because you actually really can make a difference. 
This isn't just fluffy little Christianese to make you feel better about your life. You actually can make a difference. There are eternal things that hang in the balance and you can push them one way or the other. You actually can make a real difference. We can populate heaven and, and it'd be different than it otherwise would be. Can you bring your car to heaven? Your, your shoes? Can you bring your friends? Amen. You can bring your friends. You can bring your family if they'll come. We need to be people of prayer. We need to be people who are reaching out because we actually really can make a difference. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. I want you to count the number of times the word I is in here. Are we supposed to be selfless people? Not self-centered and selfish? Correct. But we are supposed to do things. We are not to pretend we don't exist and that somehow there's just this magical cosmic plan that we've got nothing to do with. The plan has to do with you. You're involved in it. Check this out. Count them with me. Five verses here. Though I am free and belong to no man, I make myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law. Though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law. Though I am not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law so as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all men, so that by all possible means I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel, that I may share in its blessings. Look at that. I have become all things to all men, so that by all possible means I might save some. Who saves people? Jesus does, but we're involved. If Jesus hadn't died on the cross, me telling people about Jesus isn't going to do him any good, right? I mean, he supplies all the power. But guess what? We get to share the Lord and actually make a real difference in somebody's eternity. That's really something. That's really something. We go into strict training. Because we're not fighting with each other. We've got an enemy that prowls around like a roaring lion. And because we actually really can make a difference. Let's go to the next verse in 1 Corinthians 9. 26. Therefore I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. Therefore I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. Have you ever ran your race for the Lord aimlessly? Like you just sort of, you look back after a year and you're like, I don't think I've gotten anywhere. I don't think I'm any farther than I was a year ago. I may be even a little farther behind. I went, I went this way, I went that way, I went this way. I think sometimes that categorizes the way we walk with God. It sounds like that, that blown here and there by every wind of teaching.
When I'm lost and I'm driving in the car, I have a tendency to drive faster. Does that make any sense? Like I'm in a hurry, I need to find the place, I don't know where it is, so and taking off. It's very possible then to just be going 100 miles an hour in the wrong direction, right? What do you need to do instead? Stop. Get out the, you know, phone a friend or get out the little app thing. You got maps now, they tell you where you're at. When I was a kid, the maps, they didn't tell you where you were. These are neat. It shows you where you're at. Then you can just take a deep breath and go, okay, here I am. Where am I going? Stop running aimlessly here and there. But okay, there's the goal. Start going that way. That's what Paul said for us to do. Don't run aimlessly. We've got to keep our eye on the prize. Go forward. Beating the air. I don't fight like a man beating the air. I got to learn about that. It was super fun. I uh, Years ago, there was this kid, he wanted to be an MMA fighter. And so he's like, hey, I heard you uh, you were a wrestler. And teach me some wrestling? I'm like, all right, all right, I'll teach you some wrestling. And so we did a bunch of wrestling and some submission wrestling and stuff like that. And then one day he shows up and he's got this kind of little smile on his face and I'm like, what? He's like, bought some gloves. You want to spar? I'm like, okay. So we, so we, we pushed the chairs aside in the sanctuary and made ourselves a little ring and, and, uh, we were having our little boxing match and I'd never been trained. He'd never been trained. We'd never done it before. We got our gloves on, you know, and we're all tough and scary and whatever. And, and we had a little egg timer, you know, a little ding, you know, thing. So we could crack the egg timer, set it for a minute and put it off to the side. And we're like, all right, go. And we did our deal, you know, and, and oh man, we're both jumping around and hopping around and bobbing and weaving and, and swinging and, and, Seriously, I don't think we got within eight feet of each other, you know. And we were both completely exhausted after a minute. And I'm just like, man, I'm glad that wasn't videotaped because that was like ridiculous. And then I read that scripture again and I thought to myself, I don't fight like a man beating the air. I've done that, you know. I know what he's talking about. What he's saying is, if you're going to fight, there's two ways to do it. There's shadow boxing, and there's standing toe-to-toe with the enemy. If you're standing toe-to-toe with the enemy, there's something you need that you don't need for shadow boxing. And that's a good chin. Because if you're going to stand toe-to-toe, you're going to get hit. If you're going to be close enough to make contact with your opponent, what are you close enough to have happen? Oh man, that's like being all confident for Jesus in church. Now how about you go to school, you go to work, and somebody starts making fun of Christians. Now what do you do? Well, you either you either go toe-to-toe in a very nice way, appropriate way, or... You come back to church and start talking big again, make yourself feel better, now you're beating the air. 
You've backed away from the opponent and you're not going to make a difference then. So we don't want to just be wandering around. We don't want to be beating the air. We want to have purpose. We want to have our eye on the prize and we want to engage. But that means you're sometimes going to get hit. You all right with that? Amen. I hope so. Because you get hit. And it's tough. It's not fun. You know, you're thinking, you say, I'm going to make a difference for Jesus. Ah, boom! You know, and you're spitting out some teeth and you're thinking, I'm going to make a difference for Jesus. This stinks. I mean, that's just real. I mean, we have a... Let's read the next verse. 27. No, I beat my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. He's like, I'm staying on track. I'm going toe-to-toe. You know Paul went toe-to-toe? Five times the 40 lashes minus one. Three times beaten with rods. Once stoned and left for dead. Shipwrecked three times. This dude went toe-to-toe. He says... Man, I don't want to be disqualified for the prize after I've done all this. Paul? Can you start running the race and then just not finish it? Man, start, then you lose some teeth, then you keep going, and you finish. That's going to take 50 years. For, for quite a few of us. Well, you guys get started early. If you get started early, that's good. I I got started late. I, I'll still be going when I'm 80. It's going to take some time. We've got to get good at it. When we start the race, we want to finish. We want to finish strong. We want to make it to the end. There's some pitfalls with reaching out, with trying to make a difference, the difference you're called to make. I'm just going to whip through a few simple ones, and they're by no means an exhaustive list. But if you really are wanting to make the difference that God has prepared for you to make, here's some things you're going to need to do. First thing, make sure you honor the small assignments. The great ministers that I know started with cleaning toilets. That's usually where it starts. You clean the church. We got Norman Tyke, so uh, toilets are taken. You know they're getting the reward for that. But uh, yeah, they're all they're they're ridiculously awesome. But honor the small assignments, and seriously, even just showing up for church. You know that's a big deal. And when we're done, I'm going to tell you, say hi to somebody you don't know. And you're going to probably want to say hi to somebody you do know. Say hi to somebody you don't know first. And then say hi to somebody you do know. Okay? Make a a point of that. Because people show up for church and they're not, they're smiling, but you know something's going on. They need somebody to smile at them and say hi and engage. That's a huge ministry. Say hi to somebody you don't know. 
connect with them a little bit. That's a that's one of those small assignments, but wow, is that important? Another pitfall is getting offended and disconnecting. We don't want that. We'll fix that with the emotional intelligence series. We come in on no getting offended. There's the whole thing of getting hurt and disconnecting. You lose some teeth, you back up. You think, I didn't know I was going to lose teeth. They told me God had a wonderful plan for my life, and I lost teeth. This isn't a wonderful plan. This stinks. And well, guess what? I'm telling you, there's a battle. You might end up losing some teeth. But hallelujah, our God is stronger. Do you know God will show you what you're supposed to do before you're able to do it? Then you have to be patient and grow and get to that place where you can actually do it. If you don't grow, you'll never get to do it. Do the growing. Do the rising up part. And we're just going to be done with that. I'm going to invite the prayer team up. Let's read Philippians 3, 12 through 14. As our closing scripture, Philippians 3, starting verse 12. Now this is Paul again. He's the guy who is talking about running the race. He's the guy who's been whipped and beaten and stoned and shipwrecked and had all these things happen to him, put in prison over and over. He's talking about becoming who we're supposed to be. Really grabbing hold of it. And Paul says, not that I've already obtained all this or have already been made perfect. So Paul is saying, not, not, the, not like I'm there. You know, he's trying though. Any of us going to, I mean, are you there? Be trying. Be trying. And here's what he says. But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. You really got two options. You got the past being baggage that chains you down, or the past can be a springboard into your future. And you can say, whatever tricks the devil played on me and took me down with, now I'm all the wiser. I can help other people who are in those situations. I can, I can show them, hey, I got through. You can get through. I battled through this. You can battle through it. Now we can, we can beat the enemy with the stick he hit us with. We can just shake off all the ick, and move forward clean. That's just what Kay was talking about. We can come to the Lord with a pure heart. You got teeth knocked out, you've been mad at God. How could you let my teeth get knocked out? I like my teeth. He says, hey, it's all right. You don't understand everything. You clearly didn't realize that you were dealing with a a prowling lion. But he's saying, we're just, all that stuff in the past, all that mess, whatever it is, we can just shake it off and move forward.
and say, okay, if you're driving 600 miles an hour trying to figure out where you're going, stop, shake it off, go forward. Find the goal. Walk in His ways. If we do that, we get to make the difference we were created to make. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, I give You praise and I honor You in this place. Thank You, Lord, for creating us. Thank You that we get to we get to live this life. We get to live it in America. Oh my goodness. It's awesome. Praise You, Lord. Help us to grab hold of the purpose You have for us. Whatever hindrances, whatever difficulties we've had in the past, let us shake them off and press on toward the goal. Let us persevere and let us finish strong. Lord, bless us in that way. The prayer team is up here. If anybody has a prayer need, come down and pray with the prayer team. They can help you through any of these things. So, um, Lord, I just want to pray for those who will come down for prayer. I pray a special blessing upon them that they'd be able to receive good things. So, Lord, just, just bless the prayer time in the front here that's coming up. And, Lord, for, uh, for those who are going to not be coming down for prayer, I pray Your hand would be upon them as well that Your light would grow in our hearts so strong that it couldn't help but overflow. Lord, help us to show people who You are because we've got You in us. Let us receive that and become who You meant us to be so that Your power can be shown. Lord, bless us, encourage us, and give us strength. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. You're dismissed. Say hi to somebody you don't know. Otherwise, come on down. Prayer team is here. They'll pray with you.